Good afternoon, Zoe. How are you? I'm <laughs> very well, Liam. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. I always have this intention of um, kicking off with a really formal, like, greeting. Like, yeah. <laughs> welcome to the Turning Signals podcast, episode seven. The podcast where we discuss cultural events in a holistic sense. Joined always, as always, by astrologer extraordinaire and my sister, Zoe Shuttleworth. <laughs> How was that? There you go. Nailed it. Yeah. <laughs> I like how we've adopted a an easy approach. Casual. Yeah. Sure. Sure it's endearing. <laughs> <laughs> um, lots to talk about this week. Yeah. Where shall we begin? What's where's the moon phase? Oh the moon well dark? yeah, coming to the dark moon coming to the new moon. We're in eclipse season mm-hmm. officially and um yeah, the Taurus new moon will be on Sunday and currently the moon is the waning crone moon in Aries. Um and has been a beautiful visual spectacle the last couple of days last few days um, in the dawn sky with Venus, Jupiter, mm. Mars, Saturn. Yesterday it was magnificent and I think it would have been today too, but it was cloudy today. Mm. But yeah, it's um, that's a very kind of inflated uh, aspect that's going on and certainly playing out in the world. Right. So what, uh, what should we kick off with? Well, maybe the direct segue from that is Amber Heard and Johnny Depp. Mm. But um, yeah. Um, well, I guess I would say that in kind of preparing for this episode, you know, it's funny because I'll I'll be sitting there and thinking, "There's nothing going on in the world. <laughs> we need another slap, <laughs> or you know, something kind of that's you know, has like shock value or something." Yeah. Um. And then a friend kind of suggested that I could have a look at Johnny Depp and Amber Heard. Mm-hmm. We could have a look. Um, and I was like, yeah, it's kind of not that interesting. But then I was like, oh, like toxic femininity mm. themes, like abuse. You've got, I suppose, like Mars and Venus mm. things. I don't know. So, wh- I mean, what's your... What what have you got to say on the subject? Well, I was resistant to looking at it as well and it was sort of coming up on my various feeds <laughs> right. and I was totally ignoring it. Mm. <laughs> but then when you sent a message suggesting we have a look, I dove straight in really and um, I found it incredibly compelling. Like <laughs> I watched a few of the episodes, <laughs> episodes um, on I think it's the crime and... Uh, what is it? Oh, yeah, Crime and Justice Network or yeah. something like that. Yeah, and it, so they're like a oh, law and crime network. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they're just like takes from the trial itself unedited. Oh, they? yeah, yeah. And yeah. so like it's not like watching E.T. or whatever. It's um, It's a little bit more engaging, at least for me. And just listening to – I mean, to be honest, I went in very – cynical about oh, of Johnny Depp actually. Oh okay, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Not about Amber Heard. But okay. which surprises me as well in a way because I do have a bit of a radar for 
so-called toxic femininity, which I take exception to that term. Okay. <laughs> um, and as as I do toxic masculinity sure. now okay. that I've had the tables turned on me to think about it, you know? So it's interesting what it's brought up in terms of my understanding. I'm not saying that there's no such thing as either of them. I guess what I don't like is the term toxic. Okay. Because I think that, yes, behaviours can be toxic no matter where on the gender spectrum we identify. People can be toxic no matter whether they're male or female. Yes. Some behaviours, of course, are more stereotypically masculine and some more stereotypically feminine. I can't argue with that either. Um, but I just feel like it's too – it's really dismissive, isn't it, to just say – that's toxic femininity. And I see, or, or likewise, toxic sure. masculinity. Sure. I mean, I think it's reasonable to say that's toxic behavior. Yeah. Or that's a toxic relationship. Yeah. But I don't even know if it, I mean, you know, that was the other interesting thing I liked about listening to the, I didn't, li- I haven't listened to it all. I mean, it's, got, it's in its third week, I think, that trial. Mm. Um, and it's the second time they've been in court with this stuff. So it's like, because they were in, um, UK courts, I think, like a couple of years ago. There is a ago. bit of like performativity and drama about it. Well, well. I mean, like, he he totally won me over. I have to admit, like I I really went in with a really bad attitude towards him because in the last few years, what I've seen of him, which is little, I don't even think I've seen a film of his since like Willy Wonka mm. or whatever you call it, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, the recent one. Um, recent, it's probably like ten years old already. <laughs> Yes, I'm out of touch. Um, so so what bothers me a bit about him is that he seems to be a bit of a man-child kind of Peter Pan guy, yeah. like he hasn't grown up. And I find that a bit bothersome. So in that sense, I can empathise with Amber Heard's approach, I guess, in the sense that I know how it feels to be a frustrated female who is walked away from. By a man-child. By a man-child, yeah. Like, or by, not to point the finger at anyone at all, um, just knowing that it is so infuriating to have something that you feel needs to be dealt with and for the door to be continuously shut in your face. And so there is that toxic feminine behavior that tends to rise up in the face of that I feel Mm. that's like hysterical and violent and raging and she certainly seems to be the one coming off much worse than him from what I can see I mean coming off worse in terms of the like she's behaved terribly and it's like they play they play tapes of their encounters together and she's the one putting out cigarette butts on his face yeah well <laughs> the the marriage counselor um testified that she generally is like the the instigator yes like, yes and she um seems to be you know I mean, she's certainly younger. She's like 20 years younger than him, mm-hmm. um, more, 22 years younger. So she's 36, just turned like a few days ago. And so she has sun in Taurus and moon in Libra. And she also has uh, her black moon Lilith 
in Gemini, right on Johnny Depp's Gemini son, or very close to his Gemini son. So in that there's something about this dark feminine aspect of her that certainly constellates with him. Did you see that? Oh, sorry, go on. No, it's okay. Did you see that he grew up with an abusive mother? Yes. Yeah. And that that certainly gave me a lot of compassion for him um, and also made me aware that in all likelihood he is going to continually attract those kinds of women Mm. into his life for the purposes of healing himself, Mm -hmm. like facing that and healing that. And I listened to uh, one of the one this morning about where she, the allegation that she shit on his side of the bed. (laughs) (laughs) And (laughs) um, so she, she, vehemently denies this she says it's the dogs but um (laughs) (laughs) always blame the dog (laughs) um yeah he says that it's impossible that it could have been the dogs but anyway um so in that he talks about the timing of the end of their relationship and how um, it came to the point where he couldn't do it anymore and then the I think the next and that was her birthday um, in 2016 and then her mother his mother died I think it was the next day mm. and um, he was affected deeply by that but says you know telling the story of his childhood and how traumatized he was by the way the kind of person that she was and the kind of mothering she did mm-hmm. um, was really yeah obviously a lot for him to process and I don't I think you know he's ongoingly you know using drugs and doing all the escapism yeah Yeah. um, which is certainly understandable um, but also yeah I think he's got plenty of yeah he says he's forgiven her and I'm sure that is true to the extent that he is capable but while you're just trying to escape pain you can't really um, go too deep if you're just numbing kind of Mm. well he's gone sober has he yeah okay i mean he looks great yeah he does look good and yeah i didn't know he was sober that's a big important point i think i actually think the breakdown of the relationship probably was a a turning point for him you know, yeah, maybe well, maybe it took it, some time, but of course, yeah, um, yeah. Like I think he's trying to rebuild his life yeah. in you know a broad sense. Yeah, well, I hope so, and I certainly, I mean, I wish them both well. Really, I don't. I, yeah, it's it's always complicated, and it's really easy to stand outside a relationship and call it like toxic or whatever, or call one or the other person toxic. And really, it just points to how uh, Russell Brand actually talked about it really beautifully Mm. um i think it was today even that he you know it's easy to just simplify and that's what we sort of tend to want to do Mm. um as humans and that is certainly part of the astrology at the moment it ties into the eclipse season being you know the taurus north node wants things to be simple Uh and in many ways we can simplify things down to a very fine point of what really matters but in a lot of other ways, life is really complex and so are people. Yeah. And it's, you know, 
Amber Heard probably genuinely loved him and wanted So far as genuine, she's capable yeah, of love. that's right. Because I think, I mean, it sounds like she's a... I feel so strange talking about this as though, like, I... It's any of my business. I know, but yeah, there I, is I, definitely I, that. Yeah. I mean, she has a history of violence. Her previous fiancé, mm-hmm. like there was police attendance for violent acts. Well, I mean, that, the hypocrisy attached to that then in her writing a letter for the, the open letter oh, to the Appalling. Washington he should be taken to court for that, to like hold her accountable. Have for, you read that letter? No. I read it and it's really quite... Um, not hysterical. Like, it, it's quite benign in a lot of How ways. How psychotic is that? <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, obviously she doesn't name him or anything, but he says that as a direct result of that, he lost work and all of that yeah. stuff. So, um, yeah. I think the process for him is very good, you know, yeah. to be going through Absolutely. This. And to be sticking to his guns and actually holding her to account for it, I think it's really important. A um, reason It is also his Saturn return, right? Like as we speak, so the nodes square his Saturn now. Oh, it, how old is he? Uh, he's fifty-eight. Yeah. Okay. Mm. Well, he does look good. Um, I just want to say that you know because I do feel kind of weird talking about these people's relationship. Yeah. Um, but there was a couple of kind of more like broad, maybe sociological, uh, perspectives, perhaps. Um, one of which is that there's been censoring of his kind of arguments. Right. In some realms, yeah, um, there's been kind of deplatforming of commentators who mm-hmm. have defended him, right? Um, yeah, so the, there's a lot of media bias towards mm. her, right? Which you know they, I guess they mainstream media outlets want to demonize him for whatever reason, whether mm. it's personal, yeah, or you know more kind of worryingly if they are trying to kind of perpetuate the narrative that women are victims, mm. men are perpetrators. Mm. Oh, yeah. Men don't suffer from mm. domestic violence. They only enact domestic violence. Yes, that is... It's a, that's a dominant narrative. And personally, it, like, I would say it's absolute bullshit. Mm. Um, of course, like, domestic violence against men, men suffering from domestic violence... Is underreported. Yeah. So even statistically, it, it, it exists, but of course it's underreported. Yeah. And yeah, so I think that actually then this is important. And I, I really hope that the result actually sheds some light on how um, men certainly can be victims, no matter if they're like one of the world's highest paid actors or, yes. you know, they're at the lowest socioeconomic rungs. Yes, absolutely. And I think that that is really the point that I would like to make too is how... Um, in a microcosmic sense, like, yeah, I went reluctantly into having a look at this and then became like really kind of embroiled in it um, in my own way. And it was like, I feel like everyone can take something away from it to the extent that it affects, like it has an effect on us. Mm-hmm. Um, and for me, you know, it, it caused, it allowed me pause to reflect upon my own toxic feminine behaviours of the past and even now that I can still default to that. And, you know, someone who spoke about it and not in the terms of not in terms of toxic femininity per se, but like it certainly that's what he was pointing towards, um, was Robert Johnson and okay. the book She. 
Okay, yeah, yeah. So he wrote He, She and We. Uh-huh. Um, and they're beautiful books. The two, He and She, are quite small books. He's a Jungian analyst. He, you know, d- dives into various myths in order to kind of extricate and explicate themes around feminine, masculine psychology, respectively, and then what happens when they come together. Uh-huh. And it's beautiful, you know, and there's so much to work with for any person. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I think that it's too easy to just dismiss someone as being toxically feminine or to- toxic masculine. Um, it, you know, it deprives us of what nuance there really is there and what we can take away for ourselves in terms of learning for our own um, relationships and on the ground of our own lives. How do we conduct ourselves in our intimate relationships, it's really, I mean, there's always room for improvement there, I think, for, mm. for anyone. And um, and that's not to, as well to just say that um, because I'm a woman, I engage in toxic feminine behaviours. Um, I think I can equally probably indulge in toxic masculine behaviours, yeah, you know, yep, and likewise agree. for men, you yep. know, doing the toxic feminine thing. So, yep. um, Do you want to... Like maybe we could spend a couple of minutes investigating like the problem of the label toxic, sure. and tos- toxic masculine. Because I suppose like I would apply that label to a behavior that um, I suppose like a, a good kind of pop example is like Karenism. Sure. Like women. Refresh me on Karen again. Oh, so a Karen, I suppose, is a a person who will. Um, go off in a really unhinged, yeah. like <laughs> overreact, like a very aggressive yeah. manner yeah. at like an individual in public in a public setting. And it, I suppose, like you know, if you work in hospitality and you've got like a rude customer, mm. very easy to just be like, "Oh, thanks, Karen. Yeah. Have a nice day, Karen." Yeah. So yeah. it's yeah, but it, there's a bit of nuance in that as well. But I suppose Karen is an example of like a toxic feminine behavior Mm. that behavior i suppose if we say like what is that behavior it is it's rude it's inconsiderate it's selfish Mm. it's very like self-centered and self-important can i make a little no let's let's investigate it yeah well so self-centered is not a negative so to be self-centered is incredibly positive. I to, agree. To have your yeah your life centered around yourself as a it as, should, you should be self-centered. Yes. Yes. But but like it gets to, labelled as a negative. So I guess I so I, I mean, just wanted to say that for the audience' sake that you know yeah selfish and self-centered are not the same thing. And even selfish important. Well, what about um, like narcissistic almost? It's yeah, like, it's it's a narcissistic it, behavior. Yeah. So yeah, is is then is toxic femininity narcissistic? Is is toxic masculinity narcissistic? Of it. Um, I think narcissism. Um, I t- sort of tend not to. I'm not really comfortable with that word either. But mm. it's it's like we anyone can get caught in narcissistic behaviors Mm. um and when we're honest with ourselves it's like 
it, it's a bit like looking at the left, for example, and how they'll they seem to have become this group who want to shout down anyone who disagrees with them, calling them fascists and whatever else, um, and then censoring. That's a very narcissistic thing to do. When someone doesn't agree with you, you shut them down you or cut them out of your life, or you personally know, attack them. Yeah, name and calling and yeah. all of that, like dismissive kinds of Character stuff. Character assassination. And I think that's really important in terms of the world now too, um, and the transits we're all living through right now, with Saturn square the nodes again, because um, the identification with aspects of ourselves of ourselves that are conscious and parts of ourselves that we are really, I know I've gone off on a tangent, I'll okay. come back, but um, the, you know, like persona, like parts of ourselves that we are comfortable with and identify with those parts. And that tends to happen in relationship in a very like magnified kind of way, because as you get closer to someone, you know, of course, in the beginning, it's all projection and persona. Mm. You get to be who you like to be. You are seen the way you want to be seen. Yes. Someone's adoring you in that in those early days. All the sweetness and light. Yes, and yeah. all they see is that beauty and the perfection that you are not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, you, you know, that feels really good for someone to be hanging off your every word and agreeing with it. So it feeds that narcissistic kind of process in anyone and then as that gradually kind of comes unraveled as the you know shine starts to wear off and all of that and you know we get to know each other properly and gradually withdraw our projections and all of that stuff starts to get really really messy Mm. and you can see how both toxic femininity and toxic masculinity can really thrive in that environment as we start to like for example like possessive shadow qualities of a male perhaps mm-hmm. um or female for that matter and and the like more like premenstrual kind of like yeah. sides of a woman where she starts to like let her mood slip or whatever and that's supposed to be you know yeah i mean that always is a tough time for relationships where you can no longer maintain this like up mood as a female and you know you let that stuff slide and it's like or your appearance (laughs) you know like it's really there's so much in intimate relationships that you know it's such rich terrain to be working in Mm. and I think so many relationships don't go beyond like seven years because it just you know the shine's just worn off completely Mm -hmm. but um I've gone off on a tangent and now I've lost where we even no, were. Well, but I, I suppose we were investigating the what concept the, yeah. of toxic masculinity, yes. toxic femininity. Yeah. Um, I suppose they are kind of apex negative behaviours, right? Mm. Like they're concentrated because I absolutely agree that like men and women are both capable of, like a man is capable of acting in a way that's toxic feminine Mm. likewise a woman is capable of expressing herself in a way that's like toxic masculine super combative and violent and too aggressive and yeah yeah Yeah. so i think probably those terms are not particularly useful no well i i think that 
I think they're not. Um, they're toxic behaviours. Yeah, and even toxic beca- – that is as well quite dismissive because it kind of gives the impression that nothing can be done. And okay. I think behaviours are behaviours, aren't they? Like plenty can be done with behaviours. It's like you're not defined by your behaviour or you shouldn't be. And, you know, like to the extent that you allow yourself to be defined by your behavior, like it becomes so rigid Mm. and done, you know, so habitually that you become like a caricature Mm. of who you who you really are, which you see in the world all the time, you know, especially like in the world of celebrity and that. And I think, yeah, so it's probably good to not buy into the toxic femininity side of it in a lot of ways but i do also want to acknowledge that bitches be crazy like Mm. sometimes you know there is that element that's like man i can't deal with this i have to shut the door on you you are so crazy yeah and you know there's nothing else for it but to do and i really empathize with johnny depp you know just seeking some peace Mm -hmm. and you know i don't want to punch her in the face i need to create distance between us like Mm. and as well like self-preservation like he was getting hurt himself he was actually being physically attacked and um so there is like it is a big mess i laughed at how he described in his opening testimony about his transformation from being cinderella to quasimodo (laughs) (laughs) that's so good God and but I also I felt sad you know he talked about his mother being cruel and violent um, and that they and abusive and that they didn't him and his brother and sisters didn't have like a sense of safety or security with her and his father stayed around until he was 15 I think and he was really like a kind person and shy and really stoic, like put up with all the shit from his mother. Mm. So, of course, all of that kind of goes into into him mm. um, as a, you know, in his formative years, you know, all they're sponges, Gil. Like it, they just absorb, like kids absorb everything that they kind of see. Um, but he also said that his father never lost control, which to me is like, quite telling about like that he is actually being honest when he says that he has never physically hurt any woman he's he's actually not an abusive yeah well his lawyer made a point of that was heard in the court that he's got no no history of violence whatsoever because no one's ever you know he's worked with so many people no one's ever complained about him being aggressive no like he can lose his temper and there were videos of him like slamming doors and stuff but that's a far cry from punching or you know hitting a woman or yeah yeah and especially like yeah women can get really really intense and really relentless in that and and i think there is you know arguably toxicity in that when it when it's really unconscious and when it's not being honest with itself so Mm. like to push 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 for resolution of an argument but you're not really looking for resolution of an argument you're actually looking to be made to be put back on the pedestal where you belong Mm. back on the throne where every where you're right and everything that you believe is right and you know that needs to be challenged like we all need to face the fact that we can be wrong and that Mm. our views can be wrong and that there needs to be room for nuance and there needs to be room for vulnerability and 
honest self-appraisal and, you know, that sort of brings Virgo into Leo in the sense of Virgo's very humbling to Leo's narcissistic tendencies. Not to say that all Leos are narcissistic, just to qualify that because it's not, but we all have a sun. Leo is ruled by the sun. The sun is central to our solar system. The sun is central to our psychology. It is like the hero and we should be the hero of our our own stories. We should be central to our life, that self-centeredness again. But yeah, to um, kind of imagine ourselves to be just this perfect creature that deserves only applause, adoration, respect, loyalty, you know, and Mm. that everything should be the way that we kind of imagine it. And I, yeah, I think that comes out in intimate relationships really strongly for both men and women. And I think it's the cause of a lot of so-called toxic behaviours. But, you know, moving through them is where the gold is. Because mm. you do have to adapt in relationship, always. Like it's all about compromise and hearing someone else's side and mm. realizing, like, oh shit, yeah. It's fine. I think a lot of people humbling. don't aren't prepared to deal with that. Actually, yeah, yeah. I, I'm sure. And you know, it's a hard road to hard road to hoe. Is that the one you? Hard road to oh, hard I, road. Row to hoe? Yeah. Row to hoe. <laughs> that's the one, I think. I think also, that's what it is. <laughs> uh, a t- the terrible text messages he sent, um, Johnny Depp sent to Paul G and Maddie. Was it, <laughs> it let's was, burn her? Yeah. That- and it was the reference to Monty Python's witch scene. <laughs> so that was the other reason I sent you okay. that. Is because Johnny Depp was making a joke, supposedly, about like burning the witch before you drown her or, you know, yeah. um, in, in regards to Monty Python's witch burning scene. Mate, that, that, I mean, those are things that people say. I, I know. I don't think and that I mean, he did go a bit further than that with, I'm not going to say it here in case there's kids listening, but he did go further than that. Yeah, well, he was probably, I mean, fucked up. Yeah. You know? Yeah, drunk and yeah. And, and pissed off, sick and tired so, of the oh, shit. Like I mean, I I have felt like that. Of course. I have felt like telling my partner or saying things about them like I hope they get hit by a car or something. You I know, fucking like hate you so much. Yeah. Like, and you mean it. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> to me that those kind of comments are I don't know if reasonable is the term, but they're so understandable and they're I yeah, and this ridiculous thing about standing outside of relationships and going, that just shouldn't happen. That needs to be cancelled completely. You know, like people just need to change if that's the way they, you know. It's, it's ridiculous. Like we actually have to face things. And it, yeah, and I think it's great that this is brought up and especially following on the back of Jada Pinkett Smith's because um, people were calling that toxic femininity too, weren't they? Yeah, there was like a meme actually going around of... And right. she was like in that meme. Right. Of, and so, so that there was a comparison made between those two women and their approaches to dealing with their men. Is yeah. Because that right? yep. that's the other thing. I mean, toxic femininity, to even define it in the first place, likewise to toxic masculinity probably, the, de- the definitions that come up are quite diverse and mm. none of them really fit from my perception of like how I would label what I would label toxic femininity is not what 
is broadly accepted as toxic femininity because I read it as being more to do with like, um, oh, here's one, uh, working for the benefit of others but to the detriment of oneself is the definition that was on psychology today. Um, hmm. And I see that, of course, as being a part of like something that women tend to do quite often. Mm. Um, but I think it can be many things, those yeah, those kind of stereotypically female behaviours that we're not calling toxic femininity <laughs> yeah. um, can can be many things. But um, I think a big part of it is like the seductress versus the um, you know, the hysterical witch kind of like okay, possessed yeah. like demon yeah. that won't leave you alone like. Um, yeah, and I I can't remember why I ended up thinking about Marilyn Monroe and all this, but I think she was a person who so she had Leo rise uh, Neptune in Leo rising in her chart, and she wore the projections of millions very very well, particularly millions of men, I guess, um, and then women you know envied and resented her Mm. you know wanted to be her and wanted to kill her at Mm. the same time and she was so sexy and perhaps manipulative manipulative like she has a quote i'll see if i find it that i thought was really pertinent to the situation yeah i heard tale i heard tales of kind of consciously using her sexuality yeah. to like achieve certain so, ends. Definitely. So. so she said, the truth is I've never fooled anyone. I've let men sometimes fool themselves, which is such a feminine, like those feminine wiles, you know, like, and you could label that toxic femininity in some sense, but mm. in another way, it's like, well, who's the clever one? <laughs> yeah. I, she she went a long way on the back of that. I mean, she she's a very tortured soul and um but I also really liked this one. I'm selfish, impatient and a little insecure. I make mistakes. I'm out of control and at times hard to handle. But if you can't handle me at my worst, then you don't deserve me at my best. Hmm. Which is legit, I reckon. <laughs> like men, you know, in relationships and you know with Men, between men and women, and I'm sure this can apply no matter where upon the gender spectrum one would identify in the same-sex relationships. Um, it, there's like you do have to come together and, you know, you have your honeymoon period and then all of that's got to fall apart to some extent and, and the cracks show and, you know, the humanity rises to the surface of both parties and letting go of what you thought the person was, forgiving them for not being what you thought they were, not simply perceiving that as a betrayal Mm. because that is often how it's painted from both sides, men and women. You betrayed me. You're not who I thought you were. Mm. Fuck, I'm not who I thought I was. Like, I don't know. You've turned me into something I didn't know I could be. That's, you know, that happens too. That resonates hard. Yeah, it's such a thing. Like it's and but coming to terms with that for ourselves, you know, we ourselves are not the perfect person we liked to think we were. We ourselves are capable of 
terrible things and we ourselves are able to accept that in others, forgive that in others, make room for others to be, God, human Mm -hmm. and, I don't know, rant over. Can we um, talk about another relationship breakdown? Yep. Guess who? <laughs> For some reason, I think it's quite, it's so like conservative. But um, Elon Musk and Bill Gates. They broke up? Well, they broke down. <laughs> <laughs> there's just a feud. Oh, is there? Well, Brilliant. I mean, it's been, it's, there's been these headlines going around, which they're actually kind of baseless. But there was, um, you know, these text messages that were exposed on Twitter, some I think I think Elon Musk published them on Twitter, as he would. The screenshots of the text conversation between them is this since he bought it? Uh, well, very very recently, right? Okay. Like just like a week ago. Mm-hmm. Elon, do you still have a half billion dollar short position against Tesla, Bill? Sorry to say, I haven't closed it out. I would like to discuss philanthropy possibilities, Elon. Sorry, but I cannot take your philanthropy on climate change seriously when you have a massive short position against Tesla, the company doing the most to solve climate change. Mm. Like, <laughs> no reply. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so it's getting tense. Good. <laughs> fabulous. I mean, Bill's on the job, you know, like in terms of pandemics, if not climate change, he's like, got a solution he argues that he's he's doing the most i know and i think like in, <laughs> in the fallout from that he commented that like elon is you know it's not just like fossil fuels that you've got to think about when combating climate change that was kind of his position and that like the gates foundation are doing a lot of other things but obviously there's some like aggression from Bill. You know, he's very passive aggressive. I love South Park's portrayal of him, if you've ever seen that. Mm. Where he like walks into the Microsoft office and he's like, Hey Charles, great to see you. <laughs> like and he's just like this smiley geek <laughs> glasses guy. And he kinda makes himself comfortable in the office and very quickly just like with that same smile, like murders the CEO of Microsoft. <laughs> I think he's that kind of, you know, villain, like this geek villain. Kind of scary. He is terrifying. Watching that most recent um, talk that he gave, TED talk that he gave. So it came out on the 22nd. I'm not sure when he actually delivered it. but um, it was pretty recent. 22nd of April was when it was released. Um, Yeah, and his new book is coming out just after the... Taurus, new moon eclipse. Mm. And he is a Scorpio, um, Scorpio sun, and he has an Aries moon conjunct Eris. And he's got, I'm just trying to remember his chart. I've got it here somewhere, but it'd probably take me too long to find it. Um, He's got, I'm pretty sure, Saturn in Scorpio. So at the moment, the situation with Saturn square the nodes is very personal for him um so it's i'm glad that he's in it with elon musk and i don't want to as we know i've got um 
reservations about Elon Musk, but um, yeah, I I certainly have more reservations about Bill Gates. I, <laughs> I'm more, yeah. You know that influencer that I mention occasionally, Xavier de Rousseau. Mm-hmm. Um, he put out a tweet the other day. Um, Don't get too trustworthy of Elon just yet. Just yet, you all. I'm still side eyeing him about Neuralink. Yes. That's Elon's neurotechnology company that's developing implantable brain chips to directly link humans and computers. That's right. It's very Mark of the Beast esque, he says. I actually saw, like, it was older footage of Elon Musk talking about Neuralink and how mm-hmm. the kind of origin of it is to help people with brain injuries. I know, but that just goes you know it's the thin end of the wedge you reckon how can you argue against that how convenient well i mean that kind of technology (laughs) is like very respectable i think like that kind of innovation to help people certainly it's got light um, but everything casts a shadow hey yeah Um, i actually saw i think even he put it on twitter because like that's obviously his like platform of choice (laughs) But he he's like asking for volunteers for Neuralink. Oh my god! Yeah, yeah. well, I so mean, it's last, moving. Ahead. I know. Yeah, last year he was talking. He had them implanted in primate brains. Okay, so we're up to human trials now. Yes, yeah. he did say that that was coming twenty twenty two. So here we are. Did you see Jack Dorsey's just like response to the purchasing of Twitter? Do you no. know Jack Dorsey? Uh, the name rings a bell, he but I don't. He was one of the kind of inventors of Twitter. Oh, was, right. Yes. Um, who, you know, he, he's he been in court defending, you know, Twitter's position in free speech. But he he withdrew from Twitter. Right. But he still, you know, sits on the fringes because I suppose he was very important in, you know, that Twitter kind of growth era. Yeah. Um, but he, he tweeted, <laughs> I trust his elons i trust his mission to extend the light of consciousness that's what jack dorsey wow. said so well that's you know significant i guess um i don't know if i trust him yet but i do appreciate uh, at least his verbalized intent what he's tr- says he's trying to do i really around free that. speech yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm all for that. Did you see the EU have come out and like really strongly declared that he like Twitter must abide by their like okay. publishing regulations? Right. Um I guess yeah, as we've spoken about before, issues with hate speech and that sort of thing are obviously hurdles to be um dealt with, but I think they'll get it right. Because the, obviously, sure the, like he wants for as many people to have access to the the network, yeah. Um, because that's what makes Twitter like useful, I suppose. Yeah, and I think you know it. It's an incredibly potent tool when it's used well. You know, to because I learn things from places like Twitter. You, yeah, you can go on there and find a variety of opinions. Less so more and more recently but hopefully that will well i think we can expect more variety to come back there's going to be you know a lot of people who were banned for their views are going to be kind of welcomed back i heard donald trump's not going back that's a shame yeah i I found him particularly entertaining well i'm sure he was entertaining i yeah i'm not a fan of donald trump but um 
yeah, I'm interested to hear what he has to say, certainly. I got a quote from Kai Reimer, the Sydney Morning Herald. I'm going to read it and I might edit it out. Um, I'll see. It remains to be seen how genuine Musk's vision of fixing free speech on Twitter is and if he has the vision and stamina for such a comprehensive and arguably difficult rebuilding of Twitter's business model or if Twitter will merely descend into an unmoderated dystopia fully dominated by hate speech and misinformation. Like the world now. Yeah. Yep, <laughs> that's right. I, I actually... That's Sydney Morning Herald. So I, I think I found that quite a balanced kind of... Like quite an open-minded yeah. comment. Yeah. And I think that, yeah, that's kind of true. I suspect that Elon Musk has... Um, a vested interest in his brand and we he will seek to gain trust through this like the the trust of the world that is so apt i reckon that yeah i'm sure that is the case Mm. yeah he's got an agenda Mm. (laughs) as do we all to be fair Mm. um but yeah I, i really like the idea of allowing for different perspectives now to, you know, open us up to different realities rather than just because I yeah, where are we in terms of time? We're at forty six minutes. Oh, okay. Yeah, pretty pretty hectic. It's um, like thirty five minutes talking about Johnny and Amber. Yeah, well, which is fine. Sure. Yeah, I don't have up. Anything more to say really on them, mm. but I do just want to say. Sorry, you might have to edit this out. Yeah, too. Go. <laughs> I actually take notes during, so like times when I write down times that I have to look at. Ah, uh, sure. Oh, that's clever. Mm. I'm actually getting a handle on this. Yeah, I bet. Podcast producing thing. Yay! What a skill to have. Um, so I just want to say because. Black Moon Lilith now, that's the true Black Moon Lilith, oscillating. How long is that? Hang on. Mm -hmm. Can we call that a transit? Yes. Okay. So, that's a transit, Black Moon Lilith transit? uh, Well, so it's a little bit complicated and technical. Okay. Let's not get too technical. Yeah. For intents and purposes, can we call it a transit? Is it a phase? Yeah. Black Moon Lilith phase. No. Okay. So Black Moon Lilith now is with Ceres in Gemini, which... Can you describe what's happening physically? Yeah. So that's part of what's happening Mm -hmm. physically. Black Moon Lilith is not actually a physical body, but a mathematical point. Okay. That's probably enough said without going into any more. Um, There are two black moon liliths one is called the true and that one oscillates all over the place like a premenstrual female up and down and all around Mm -hmm. and then there's the main black moon lilith that takes nine months to move through a sign right so which is also quite beautifully feminine and gestational and so that's physically orbiting in the solar system yes Okay. Uh, yeah. As much as a mathematical point can orbit, yeah. Okay. So it is mobile and um, 
Yes, dynamic, certainly. And so she represents like the dark feminine okay. broadly. Um, and being there with Ceres in Gemini, there's this kind of – so Ceres, um, Jason Holly, the psychotherapist and excellent astrologer, interprets the myth of Ceres – um, in an amazing way and one of the points he distills from the myth of Ceres is coming to terms with a loss of innocence and I feel like that is a really important part of where we're at in terms of our collective and individual journeys now because their presence, their co-presence, that is Black Moon, Lilith and Ceres being in Gemini now square to the beautiful visual feast that we see in the dawn sky um, in Pisces at the moment. So that's Mars, Venus, Jupiter and invisible Neptune. Beautiful. Um, very beautiful. And, you know, last couple of days the moon was there too. So, I mean, that is, as I said, very inflationary, you know, and there is this kind of – I think it's amazing the way that that brings up this kind of distracting – femininity in terms of like Amber Heard, for example. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, how we can look at that and be distracted by the suggestion that it's like toxic femininity and then we're off down that rabbit hole. And then we can look at that as well in relation to Black Moon Lilith being in Gemini and how the mind being Gemini and our perceptions can skew reality because life is always about our perception. Mm. It's not, you know, what it actually is. It's what we see it as. And mm. that's, and, but that perception is always able to be changed. And change is dependent on a whole variety of things like what we've eaten today, whether we slept last oh, yeah. night, who we spoke to, like our experience at the checkout, like everything just always impacting how we perceive the world around us from a moment-to-moment -moment basis. Mm. And, you know, that's not all negative. Like that's actually – obviously we can make good choices that support our positive view of the world. But as well to just be open to having our perceptions affected by the perceptions of others who share their perception with us – just letting go of the idea that we know what's right mm. because that is shadow. I mean, so Aquarius as a sign says, I know, right? Saturn in Aquarius is like rigidly adhered to the fact, the fact that <laughs> I know what I need to be doing. I know what you need to be doing. I know what's going on here. And <laughs> You reminded me of someone there. <laughs> 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 a well-known Aquarius, but go on. Well, it's <laughs> it's um very important to look at this, I think, f for each one of us because the more I look, the more I see how each person, myself included, is rigidly adhering to a particular way of perceiving the world and it is not necessarily accurate. 
It's the only perspective. It, and yeah, we think that. And mm. so we make all of our decisions based on the assumption that we are right. We've got all the information. <laughs> that, uh, yeah, that I know what's right. And it is, at its core, very simplified, mm. like Taurus North Node. So as I said with the North Node, it's like it is um, our evolutionary, I don't necessarily like that term, but um, trajectory forward. And it's unfamiliar and it's... Um, uncomfortable and it's somewhat dangerous because we don't really know what we're doing with it so the tendency with Taurus is to simplify and to make things very you know very one thing to Mm. prioritize one thing um, which we know is at the expense of other things so to simplify is at the expense of complexity Mm. which is Scorpio Scorpio is all about complexity so I I just think that it's really worthwhile giving a bit of space to the idea that we could be wrong (laughs) (laughs) and that our and especially where we're hanging on the tightest so especially where we think that there's no way we could be wrong (laughs) and we, we most don't want to be wrong and that we so for example i'll use an example of my own life like my send you know the dropping of mask mandates in schools yes leaves me with a conundrum of will i send my daughter back to school yes and i don't want to admit defeat i don't want to be a failure as mm. a homeschooling parent but i have to face that possibility let's say <laughs> <laughs> i'm not admitting defeat yet but watch this space I may have to yet. Um, And just coming to terms with reality as it actually is and our limits that do exist. So I really rail against the idea that we can transcend limitations to a, you know, ridiculous degree. Like, of course, we can push boundaries and of course we can overcome struggles um, that are set before us in our lives. And you look at people like, you know who have undergone incredible challenges difficulties in their lives and made so much out of their limited you know circumstances um makes the rest of us look bad you know because they they've got so many struggles and yet they go on to achieve incredible things that us mere mortals could never get near so but yeah I think it's it's good to feel into our our limitation and to not see it as a punishment and a confinement and a just restriction for the sake of like difficulty and negativity but actually to shift our view of the world and of our lives to being these circumstances are precisely the conditions I'll say are precisely what we need for each person to become who we actually are supposed to be as individuals and in, a, in the collective sense. So, you know, it's easy to point at like your partner as being the problem or your ex-partner or Mark McGowan or Bill Gates, you know, mm. but just like rather than getting caught in that very seductive trap of like, blame blaming and shaming and you know scapegoating some external source of frustration 
to just like bring it back to how it actually feels to be in that frustration and what we can do from inside of that confinement and allowing for the nuance and the complexity and recognizing that there is no simple answer really Um, but given that what can we do on a very simple level um, to move towards where we want to go rather than reacting out of fear and frustration and anger or you know revenge or Mm. yeah which also quite scorpio Mm -hmm. revenge and um super jealous kind of envy themes that kind of stuff yeah can we talk about the easing of mandates yes let's across the world um I meant to look into it, but I, I wrote here jurisdictions across Canada, the US, and Australia, easing COVID-19 measures this week. So here in Western Australia, from Friday, no more masks. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's dangerous. And I get to go <laughs> clubbing. Yeah, no more vaccine papers to check at the door. Um I've got a little bit to say on that, but... Go ahead. Well, do you want to just quickly... Is there some kind of astrology or archetype that we can refer to here? Well... What is... New moon on Friday, is it? Yeah. Yeah. In eclipse. Oh, is it... No, it's Sunday. Su- oh, it's Sunday. Sunday okay, yeah. yeah. In Taurus. Um, and yeah, I mean, conjunct So that's the Uranus. day to go clubbing. Yeah. <laughs> conjunct Uranus, which is the liberator. Mm-hmm. You know, so there is that like freedom sense there but also i guess it's got to be vibing off of um jupiter neptune and venus being there too because that is such a beautiful kind of an energy and very expansive and very freedom kind of feeling you know Mm. like there's no boundaries to that whatsoever Mm -hmm. no restriction on that wow (laughs) <laughs> um, but it's also elusive. Uh-huh. So, and I mean, that's overwhelmingly the sense I get is how... Don't get used to it. Well, I mean, we know, there I said it, we know. <laughs> I don't know anything. Well, we can, we can rely on historically, <laughs> like, you can rely on history. Mm. In history, governments don't generally give back things they and take power and they rarely give it back yeah. I, mean, I think in history they haven't so well i think there have been cases where they have and i think that was when we had a bit more integrity <laughs> so like in the case of like the world wars there were you know restrictions put in place for the greater good for the safety of everyone um you know curfews and things like that and they were repealed you know at once the once the wars mm-hmm. were, were finished and um but you know, we also know that in this case, at least Klaus Schwab, you know, he's talking about the imminent um, cyber attack. With COVID-19 like characteristics. Yeah. And then Bill Gates is talking about the next smallpox-esque pandemic mm. um, being imminent also. So, and Bill Gates advocating for, you know, the restrictions being done like Australia did them 
Yes. Um, so presumably Dan Andrews, Mark McGowan, um, an old mate in the Northern Territory. What's his name? Yeah. Uh, Michael Gunner. Yeah. Um, I'm just trying to find this. Shaking our economies and societies to the core and shown us how vulnerable we are to biological threats. In the digital world, similar risks are being overlooked right now. A cyber attack with COVID like characteristics would spread faster and further than any biological virus. Its reproductive rate would be around 10 times greater than what we've experienced with the coronavirus. To give you an idea, one of the fastest worms in history, the 2003 Slammer Sapphire Worm, doubled in size approximately every 8.5 seconds, infecting over 75,000 devices in 10 minutes and almost 11 million devices in 24 hours. So that's uh, that's on the um, World Economic Forum YouTube, mm-hmm. actually. It, go, it only goes for like another minute or something. But yeah, it basically kind of outlines the um, the way that the cyber attack is, is going to work. <coughs> I mean, it uh, could work. Um, I actually, if I may... I wrote a, a few lines um, yeah, on no. just reflecting on the the easing of mandates. Um, as the mandates wane and fade into memories, we must ask, what have we learned? As a society, I don't think we've learned anything. And maybe this is because there is no such thing as society. Like a nation, it, it is an abstraction, a political invention. So then we must ask ourselves as individuals... What have I learned? We must be honest and face this truth. Did I get caught up? Did I choose sides? Did I mock or discount the suffering of others? Did I lose friends? Was I resourceful? Did I join the cues? Was I compliant or was I defiant? Did I engage in physical combat over toilet paper? Would I do it again? I think this kind of a reflection is like a good opportunity right now yeah so that i mean yes let's move on with our lives covid's finished maybe but there there may be and likely there will be occurrences going forward where we might be called to act again Mm. in ways um would you do it differently would you would you do it the same would you comply or would you resist that's really cool, Liam. I really like that. And I think it's so important that we don't forget what we've come through, even though now we're looking at Johnny Depp and Amber Heard instead of <laughs> Croatia. And Croatia. Elon Musk is going to say. Ukraine, I mean. <laughs> don't even know what I'm talking about anymore. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, by all means, let's else. move on, I think. Sure. But let's not, um, let's not forget that we, and we may have acted in ways that, um, maybe we should admit that we're not so proud of. Sure. I don't know. Or, or maybe we can be proud of the way that we acted. Maybe yeah. rolling up for Australia, you'd do it again. Yeah. I think those questions are brilliant and so worthwhile reflecting on with Saturn Square the Nodes and knowing that, well, not knowing, but, you know, suspecting, <laughs> knowing. <laughs> pers- suspecting perhaps that, you know, we may be in similar circumstances in the not-too-distant future. And so we may have a reason to revisit similar kinds of actions. And if we've done a bit of reflection on the last couple of years and how we handled it, um, yeah, we might be better equipped for that. 
but yeah for me personally I feel good about like my my decisions and what it did to me Mm -hmm. that period of time I feel like has been the making of me to a large extent becoming more of an authority in my own life and having to wear you know to be like somewhat of a scapegoat for people who have cut me out of their life as someone who chose to be unvaccinated when I had no from their point of view no good reason Mm. to not be vaccinated and I should do the right thing for the greater good um is what you know what we were told to believe that's what we were told to do and you know many people agree with that and I don't blame them you know that's yeah yep yeah. Can I just add, referring back to the easing of mandates, um, Dan Andrews is about to lay off over 2,500 teachers in Victoria who are refer- refusing the third dose. Wow. So it's mandatory now for um, teachers and staff in public schools to have three doses of the vaccine. And the number is over 2,500 teachers specifically who are resisting um, and are prepared to lose their jobs. Far out. Yeah, so there was two quotes I got from uh, the Daily Mail. The Red Union spokesman, I imagine the Red Union is like an alternative union. Uh, He said there were no excuses for a mandated third jab, which he said was crippling the workforce. Um, Also that remaining teachers have been forced to combine classes in large spaces to work around staff absences and they've had to cancel school excursions. So it it goes on. Well, you know, exactly. our, our experience may uh, relax and we may have a lot to look forward to and we can get back to, quote, normal. It's the There will be an underlying tension. There will be an ongoing, I don't war for want of a better term. Yeah. Indeed. Persistence. It, it may persist. It may it may never really go away. I think it will be ongoing for a significant amount of time. And, you know, as as I've said before, the, you know, all of these um, restrictions came in under Saturn in Aquarius. Mm. Um, that is not over yet. And then as soon as it is over, Pluto is in Aquarius. So that's like next level. Um, so you know and Damn you Saturn <laughs> well <laughs> I know but again it's that confinement that really you know the pressure that we are under in confinement can really allow for facilitate an alchemical kind of process and mm. that's what I sort of mean about having been made under these conditions yeah. that, that COVID really like rocked my boat personally sure and as it did everyone's and from the beginning I really saw how it I mean that's just happens to be my very Sagittarian approach to life is you know to look for the meaning and to look for the opportunities like right relentlessly buoyant like yeah. in case you haven't noticed yet it is kind of annoying <laughs> I, but- I do that too I think I don't notice it so much in you because I Right, yeah. I think, you know, I I think we need to look at things as optimistically as we kind of can without being deluded, which is also a danger that, 
you know, things are things are quite bad in the world at the moment. Mm. Um, but they that those bad conditions can really create good outcomes to the extent that we can kind of engage with them creatively and well the opportunity is individual yes indeed that's what i and individuals make up a collective that is yeah i just want to say i I wrote last night i'm not going to go and read what i wrote but you know just investigating that idea of that there is no such thing as society Mm. i think it's really useful to consider um, I don't know if I believe it. No, but it's a really interesting point. It doesn't mean that there's no such thing as community mm. or like collective opportunity. Mm. And you can still connect. But yeah, I think like the individual, you you can prove an individual. I mean, you can't really prove a society. Yeah, it's a really interesting Thing to think about and really deep I'm sure like looking back to you know primitive humankind and how it all began in that sense of like how did we start building community mm. and then society and civilization and what about all of that is valuable and what about all of that is like holding us back from community because mm. yeah I mean there's lots that's beautiful about civilization and you know even from our limited western mindset you know ancient greece the hellenistic era mesopotamia like all of these things that contributed to our modern postmodern world and world view the more that we are I don't know, engaging with what it is to be human, I think is really, and then as an extension of that, what it is to be in a human society Mm. or like if such a thing even exists. Um, But yeah, we want to, we want to survive this, right? Like we want it to not sort of reduce down to, because the Elon Musk quote that so disturbed me last year when I, you know, first learned about Neuralink was his desire to or his intention to uh, enhance human functionality. Oh, yeah. Which is so transhuman to me. And I don't know if he identifies as a transhumanist, but it sounds like transhumanism 101 to me. Yeah, yeah. Um, but what if, I mean, we haven't even figured out, you know, <laughs> what it is to be human on a very basic level yet. I don't think, I don't think we've really <laughs> even explored the potential of, of the human being. What are we enhancing, man? Like, it's not good. <laughs> Why don't we have a look at like Enhance the power of... the worst of, of us. <laughs> yeah, right. It's in a way, it's like going backwards. Oh, uh, it's, it's putting the cart before the horse. That's for sure. Yeah. Like we have not got our shit in a pile enough to enhance anything yet. Like, <laughs> I agree. <laughs> Hopefully, Elon will get on board with that if we tweet enough. Hey, um, I've got a quote from Jordan Peterson. Brilliant. We deserve some respect. You deserve some respect.
You are important to other people as much as to yourself. You have some vital role to play in the unfolding destiny of the world. You are therefore morally obliged to take care of, help, and be good to yourself. You should take care of, help, and be good to yourself in the same way you would take care of, help, and be good to someone you loved and valued. You may therefore have to conduct yourself habitually in a manner that allows you some respect for your own being. And fair enough. But every person is deeply flawed. Everyone falls short of the glory of God. If that stark fact meant, however, that we had no responsibility to care for ourselves as much as others, everyone would be brutally punished all the time. That would not be good. <laughs> it's good. It's good, Liam. That, that would make shortcomings of the world's which can make everyone who thinks honestly question the very propriety of the world, worse in every way. That simply cannot be the proper path forward. End quote. I love the way that he says what he needs to hear. <laughs> That's so true. Yeah. He knows it because he's in it. Mm. That poignant human condition shit that's... Mm. It fucking hurts to be a human. Yeah. And it's beautiful. I've got a quote too. Awesome. Unless you want to say anything else. No, I'm done for the day. Great, me too. <laughs> Except to say this. So this was the quote that I promised from the beginning and maybe my favourite Jung quote, but it felt like it really fit with what we talked about today. Um, so he said this in an interview late in his life, I think it was 59, he died in 61, um, an interview with the BBC. Oh, no, it wasn't in the actual interview. It was in a letter in response to questions um, sent to the BBC um, in response to what he said about God. So he says, to this day... God is the name by which I designate all things which cross my willful path violently and recklessly, all things which upset my subjective views, plans and intentions and change the course of my life for better or worse. Mate, I'm so glad that we can identify the meaning of God. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think we we really misunderstand what it's all about. We think we have this limited view about what reward and punishment is like and what that means. Mm. And we think that if we're sick, we're being punished. If mm. we're rich, we're, being, we're good. Yeah. You know, like <laughs> it's so backward. It's so... I was talking with mum yesterday Um trying to explain, you know, she was saying that she she just wants peace. Mm -hmm. She just is trying to find peace. Which is a very Taurus. Right. But I, <laughs> I wanted for her to understand that, you know, her, like your creative endeavours, your, you know, pursuit of fitness things like that doesn't that doesn't come from peace mm. 
those things come from the search for peace. Mm. They come from restlessness, from discomfort. So do you want to have peace all the time? The pursuit of peace is excellent. But if you sit in peace, like is that a is that productive? Is that do you generate beautiful art from sitting in peace? I think it's like it's part of the human condition, you know, like the question it's such an existential crisis it's like and i remember i've heard people like criticize um like meditation as a checking out yeah and i see the truth in that yeah and i also see how mistaken that is as well like it can be both it can be checking out but it can also be all you can do mm-hmm. to contribute to peace on earth both are true. I think both are true. And that's the thing is like all things are actually true. And our idea that we hold the truth, it's like that elephant, right? We should have told this little analogy in the elephant in the room episode. We hold a piece of the elephant. I've got the trunk. You've got the tail. Someone else has got a leg. Someone else is hu- hugging the side. And each one of us thinks we know what an elephant is. Mm. I mean, we're blind. Did I mention that? So, you know, (laughs) that's like we don't – just because we hold a part of the truth doesn't mean we understand the whole truth, nothing but the truth, you know. Um, I also question whether whether it is possible or even desirable to have a world, a peaceful world in the sense of like a utopia because if we did – you're right, there'd be no great works of art. Mm. There'd be no brilliant quotes about the nature of God and how we should all be treat each other with the love and kindness that we would treat our most treasured people. And what would the world be then? Mm. We need discomfort. We need difficulty. Yep. And that's like something to celebrate. Yeah. Let's all go get drunk. <laughs> you said it. <laughs> I'm probably not going to do it. And nor should you. <laughs> <laughs> all right, good stuff. All right. Good chat, Zoe. Yeah. Thank you. You too. Farewell, fair maidens and... Men's. <laughs> Catch you next week. <laughs> yeah. For Mercury retrograde. Oh yeah, and post eclipse. Lots to look forward to, as always. <laughs> Ciao, fellas. Ciao.